to play for has dethroned the United States, knocking them out of the World Cup 2018. We can't be Trinidad on a field that's too wet and too heavy. <laughs> what are we doing? This what are we doing? There's no plan B for us. There's only been a plan A, and that's obviously to qualify for the World Cup. You know, we're, we're not really trying to focus on what happened in the past. It's wait four more years. There's a huge belief in every single player. That's not our main fuel. It's not our main, you know, focus, you know, trying to redeem what happened, you know, years ago. These dates were circled because this is what we've been preparing for for the past few years. Reina, yes! I think right now we're just trying to create a legacy of our own. We've been waiting for this moment. You know, we've waited a long time for this, and, you know, the expectations are high. We're looking for a nine-point week, bottom line. underway here on ESPN Plus. As always, Sebi Salazar and Hercules Gomez. Herc, 1,423 days, my man, since the U.S. men last played in a World Cup qualifier. Let me get a sense of the temperature in the room over there in Los Angeles. As we get ready for this game against El Salvador, are you more excited or nervous? Which way are you leaning? <laughs> Can I be both? Because that's where I'm at. I'm excited, I'm anxious, because this group, this fabulous, very young group, deep player pool, finally gets a chance to prove it. And I'm with these players. Forget about the past. That wasn't you. That's not on you. But this will be tonight. We have been waiting four years, four long years. Plenty to come in this show. We will be speaking with Santiago Munoz a little bit later in the program. He's about to complete a dream move from Santos Laguna and Liga Mekis, Herc to Newcastle in the Premier League. You can hear the extended version of that interview, of course, on the Football Americas podcast right there in your ESPN FC where, feed, wherever you do download your pods. Let's start, though, with the U.S. World Cup qualifiers and Herc, the big news for the United States, Christian Pulisic. Despite clearing COVID protocols and training Monday and Tuesday in Nashville, did not travel to San Salvador. He's going to miss tonight's match as a result. You remember Pulisic announced he tested positive for COVID-19 back on August 18, then spent at least 10 days in isolation. So it means he's staying back at the U.S. camp in Nashville to keep training ahead of Sunday's qualifier against Canada. Here's more from the coach on the decision to leave Pulisic behind. We really didn't get to assess him um, in a proper way and see his fitness levels. The next couple days, we'll be working with him to see, you know, to see exactly where he is and we'll get a report when we get back. You know, our, our, our arguably our best best player can't participate. He gets COVID two weeks before, and he and he's out of um, you know potentially all three games. So he last played on August 14th, Herc, in the Premier League against Crystal Palace. Here we see a look at the U.S. record without Christian Pulisic. To be fair, they've played a lot of games uh, in recent memory without their star player. What's the impact specifically for the U.S. Herc against El Salvador? Greg called them their best player, right? Debatable. It's a, I don't think it's a debate. Christian Pulisic is not only your best player, he has, happens to be the symbol to all of CONCACAF mm -hmm. for what is this new generation of stars. The man just won a Champions League title. When you talk about the U.S. men's national team and how far they can go, the conversation starts and ends with Christian Pulisic. So you don't have him for arguably the most important game 
of this octagonal. The very first one, because as, as we've seen in previous editions, it doesn't matter what country you are. If you start off on the wrong foot, the U.S. showed it last go around by losing. Well, it puts you behind the eight ball. Mexico in 2014 didn't get a good result versus Jamaica. It set up that disastrous campaign and they went into the play, playing game. So, yes, this isn't the ideal situation. When your best player, your symbol, the man who is the face of U.S. soccer on the men's side can't play. That's just what it is, right? Uh, we would say un golpe anímico, like the team needs Christian Pulisic. I think also if you're El Salvador, you look across in that lineup, you don't see Christian Pulisic. You're at home. You might grow a little bit in those shoes. You might feel like you got a little bit better chance um, against the U.S. But to that point, Herc, I think the real bottom line question here is does Christian Pulisic's absence change your expectations for this game. We heard Tyler Adams off the top of the show say a nine-point week. That means the expectation here is to go into San Salvador and win. Um, I don't think having Christian Pulisic not in the 11 changes that. I think the expectation is still to win. The expectation may be still to win, uh, but CONCACAF is not easy. And I know what people say, what are you talking about? These guys playing Champions League. It can't be all of a sudden CONCACAF is any different. The grass is still there. The ball is still around. It's still 11 v 11. What changes? It is very complicated, and as you will see throughout this campaign, not only for the U.S. men's national team, but the Mexican national team, and whoever else may play in this octagonal, it's not ideal conditions. The field, the opponent, the concap tricks, the weather conditions, uh, all, the, the fans all of a sudden come upon you. Game day and before, you see all these different things coming out. It's not an ideal situation, and you have a player that in Christian Pulisic, the game is tight. It is 0-0, has the ability to change the game by himself with an individual play, the ability to create space for himself and others. Big game kind of experience there. It's definitely a plus for you. And I'm sure, as you said, El Salvadorians are salivating at the thought of not facing Christian Pulisic. Yeah. A big test here, too, for Greg Berhalter. You saw those numbers. Christian Pulisic has been absent a lot. So this is something he's faced a lot. He should have a plan for when Christian Pulisic isn't around. One other player that didn't make the trip to San Salvador, the number one goalie hurt for the United States. That's right, Zach Steffen uh, left behind in Nashville as well. This due to back spasms for the Manchester City goalie. Greg Berhalter now did not rule Steffen out for Sunday's game against Canada. He'll continue to rehab, but what it means is Matt Turner is your new number one. I guess that means gold step stardom, gold cup stardom greater than Nations League stardom for Ethan Horvath. Here's more uh, from Turner on his big moment. Uh, I was very excited, motivated, um, and it's going to be a great experience. And uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge that this game presents and that World Cup qualifying uh, presents. Yeah, just very matter of fact, it was down in the, uh, in the hotel in our team space in Nashville. Um, I ran into him, just happened to be passing by, and, and he just he just told me right then and there. He didn't he didn't beat around the bush or anything. He didn't give me any special sort of words of encouragement. He just told me that I was going to be starting, and he told me that he knows I know what to do. So um, that that's pretty much it. There's not really much more to the story than that. What a summer it was for Matt Turner. Five clean sheets in six matches at the Gold Cup, where he was named goalie of the tournament. By the way, those three penalty saves hurt as well in the MLS effort over Liga MX in the All-Star game. And yet for all that, on our production call this morning, you were shocked, shocked that Matt Turner is getting the call here as the number one. Why? Where was he in your dev chart? Number three, right? <laughs> Are we prisoners of the moment? I mean... CONCACAF Nations You're League You're saying he's final. behind Ethan Horvath. 
CONCACAF Nations League final, Ethan Horvath comes off the bench, saves the penalty kick. Mm -hmm. Andres Guardado, the captain of Mexico, wins the game for the U.S. men's national team. A walk-off penalty kick save. And we had Taylor Twelman on this show saying, this is an open competition now between Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath, demanding that. And you know what? Lots of people are going, he's got a point. So now all of a sudden, a major league soccer player who's in a great moment, can't mm -hmm. deny the moment, plays one game versus El Salvador, and six games in a Gold Cup and an MLS All-Star game. And the MLS level that we've seen him at is going to trump mm -hmm. Ethan Horvat and what he did. We are prisoners of the moment. Not that Matt Turner is not a great goalkeeper, but how quickly you forget Sebastian Salazar and move on from Ethan Horvat. I was surprised. I was surprised. Mm -hmm. Since I, you can talk about a hot hand, okay. But then Greg Berhalter is valuing Major League Soccer over European football. And if that's the case, well... I imagine it goes a lot of what is the next lines, the defensive line, the midfield line, and the forward line. It sounds like you're saying Matt Turner's body of work isn't enough for him to get this job, but he's got way more recent work than Ethan Horvath. Like Ethan Horvath right now, his last game is in the League Cup. He got shelled 4 nothing by Wolves. Is that really a guy that you want to throw in here? Beyond that, Herc, beyond that, you got to look back you're to the two. You're going to punish him? You're going to look back to the 2018-19 season three years ago for the last time Ethan Horvath was a regular starter, was a regular player at club level. How can you ignore that with what Matt Turner's done? It almost sounds like you're discounting Matt Turner specifically because he plays in MLS. This is what no. we see all the time in the internet. Here's a guy who's not starting in the championship, but he's better. He's better than an MLS, probably the best goalie right now in Major League Soccer. Probably, he says. Okay. To no fault of Matt Turner, discussion isn't a Matt Turner. Now you're turning to Ethan Horvath. To no fault of his yep. own that he plays in Europe, that they were in preseason when the U.S. Men's National Team sent a C team to the final, or to, I should say, the tournament, and made it to the final. Great tournament by Matt Turner. Prisoners of the moment. He can go you're, out there you're and have You're going a back to one penalty save, and you're talking about other people being prisoner of the moment. You wanted, you wanted him to already start over Zach Steffen and then quickly change from Ethan Horvath because Matt Turner... Had a good MLS All-Star game? Did you mention that? Is that mm -hmm. what you mentioned? Because he saved three penalty mention. kicks in, a, in an MLS All-Star game? That's your evaluation now? Yeah, what about the skills challenge, bro? Don't forget about the skills challenge. <laughs> Don't listen that to the plays producer. A huge part. No, no, look at this. Look at this. Matt, Matt Turner in the last few years. This season, 18 games played, 26 games played a year ago, 22. Well, I mean, that's that's 60 all games. Best players to Major League Ethan Soccer doesn't play that stats, in his club Sebastian. career. Let's do that. Let's send Christian Pulisic to Major League Soccer so he scores 30 goals a year, and then you say, look what okay. he's doing. So an MLS player can't contribute then. That's what you're saying. That's the exactly what I said. The best players in MLS are, are worse that's, than a player that's and are exactly less qualified what I to help said. the U.S. in a qualifier Those are my words than a player exactly. who cannot yes. be a starter in the Those championship. Those are my words exactly. Seb, all I am yep. telling you is yep. I was absolutely MLS For somebody surprised. who started their career, who owes their career to Major League Soccer. I can't yes. believe what I'm hearing yes, here. Yes, Sebby, yes. Mm -hmm. I am telling you, yes, I was surprised. Prisoner of the moment. It doesn't mean he's not meriting of an opportunity. But absolutely, I was surprised. Were you not surprised not seeing Ethan Horvath in that conversation? Uh, in the conversation, yes. I'm, I'm absolutely not surprised that the guy who won the U.S. the Gold Cup is getting this start here, especially when you need a hot hand. This is, this is the time where you've got to rely on somebody stay in that's Europe. been doing come it Come down to Major League recently. Soccer. It's a direct channel to the, to the U.S. men's national team. Just come on down. Okay. All right. Let's see what you did then with uh, with your starting lineup. I, I wonder, did you put did you put Ethan Horvath in it, or now that we know it was Matt Turner? No, you did go with with Matt Turner. Well, Herc's now that I know it's Matt Turner. Potential starting eleven uh, for tonight against El Salvador. Herc, 
Uh, what are the big the big discussions here? I guess kind of are at the back line, yeah. right? We're wondering who will partner with with Brooks. I think uh, Brooks obviously will be on the other side of that central back pairing with Miles Robinson, and then who's starting at left back? You got George Bella. Those are those are two big picks in Miles Robinson and Bella. By the way, those are two guys who you said were C team players a month ago on the Gold Cup. Yeah, yeah. Here's why I will give it to him: the rotation, uh, and this is what we think Greg Berhalter will do, right? This mm -hmm. rotation, because this so is what probably- What you think. Well, what I think, because what you think, I mean, you had- Really doesn't matter. Yeah, you had all Major League Soccer players start in this game, so, mm -hmm. you know, yes. regardless. Uh, Seb, if you think about this game, the rotations from this game to the next, because you have to manage in Nashville, Canada, and then the next game, you want to put in players who you could think could protect each other, help each other. I actually think Miles Robinson had a very good tournament. It's a wide open competition right now with Aaron Long out on the shelf, Achilles tendon tear. Uh, and in George Bello, who still has Tecatito Corona in his pocket, maybe he carries that good performance over in a position that's sorely lacking and that you can assume Anthony Robinson will maybe start against Canada. Uh, and then the most obvious one is the question, who replaces Christian Pulisic, right? This is the mm -hmm. one thing you asked and it's the most obvious glaring question. It's Brendan Aronson. There is no Why? more informed player. Why'd you player. go with him? There is no more informed player when it comes to being productive on the U.S. Men's National Team pool than Brendan Aronson. Give this guy five minutes for club, he scores. Give him 10 minutes for country, it's a goal or an assist. This man is just productive and he's hungry and he's honest enough on both ends where you can count on him in a World Cup qualifier away from home and you get that defensive work rate and effort. But on the offensive end, you've got a quality player who is always goal dangerous. It was just a no-brainer for me. Yeah, the Medford Messi. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on him here, right? You kind of assume El Salvador, at least for stretches, not that they played this way during the Gold Cup entirely, but will sit back. It'll take something special, something one-on-one, -on -one, some type of great individual effort to break them down. Aronson's the kind of guy for that. I also wonder, Herc, if this puts more pressure on Gio Reyna. I know he's just 18 years old, but if he's starting on the opposite sideline and you don't have Pulisic, this is a big moment for Reyna to prove his worth. Huge moment. Gio Reyna just celebrated 50 appearances in the Bundesliga, becoming the youngest player to ever do it. Uh, I said that Brendan Aronson was the most productive player. You know who's probably the second most productive player in the U.S. Men's National Team? That's Gio Reyna. He's, he's played eight games for the U.S. Men's National Team. He's got four goals. Three of those CONCACAF opponents. This is a player... Air for the dramatic. He's on set pieces as well. You can see him easily contributing. And there's actually a prop bet that Gio Reyna scores and the U.S. win at plus mm. 200. I actually like that bet. So if the big question for Greg Berhalter was who's going to replace Christian Pulisic, I think you could say question number two or maybe even 1A is who's going to start at the number nine spot. We've been talking all summer about the top five, the depth chart, who's it going to be. You went with Josh Sargent. Why? Yeah. Josh Sargent's still the most complete forward in this pool. He's still my go-to, my favorite nine. And he's Yo not playing in MLS, so we know that means a lot to you. That means a, a great deal to me. Are you mm -hmm. okay? Are you breathing? <laughs> I won't interrupt you because I know you get upset, okay? Noted do the MLS same hater, to me. Hercules Gomez. Do the same to me. Uh, Josh Sargent is the most complete forward you have in the pool. His only knock is he's not being too productive at the club level. And recently, as of late... Or at the national team level. Hasn't or been, at the national team level. Hasn't been recently or as of late on the national team level. I mean, he's still got five goals and how many appearances? Oh, Somewhat come productive. on. Those are against, those three of those are against Cuba. The others are against Bolivia and Peru and France. Take the U.S. Men's national team out of CONCACAF because Sebastian Salazar does not like who they play against. He's you, got zero goals in four starts in 2021. How's that are you for good? you? Are you uh, good? Is that good? Is zero goals in four starts in 2021 Listen, good? 
Are you going to throw it? I, I can't keep doing this every 30 seconds. Tell me mm -hmm. when you're done. You good? Good? No, that is good, Dan. You say it's zero goals in, no, in his four I'm starts this year. I'm telling you, this position is wide open. You said that Christian Pulisic is probably 1-8. I think this is the number one question right now is who will be that nine? You got Pifok. You've got players like DK. Why not got Jordan Pifok? Why not Jordan Pifok? Is he too hot for club? He's scoring goals. He's he scoring goals at will for young when boys. When you look at players, when you look at players, Sebi, you're asking me why not. Let me answer why not. When you look at a player who can do what is being asked by him, by Greg Berhalter, mm -hmm. the ability to combine in that final third and be a link player, a la Raul Jimenez when he was healthy with Mexico. That's Josh Sargent. He's the most complete player. I know he's missing that goal right now, but he just scored two not too long ago for Norwich City. He's a player that's going to get streaked. He's a player that can get hot. And if you're Greg Berhalter, I think you need him to get hot. It's a wide-open competition, Seb. We spoke about this, I don't know how many times. Historically, this is a position that... Game one of the Hex, now octagonal, that you start this player mm -hmm. or you start a, 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 maybe a, a five players in your rotation, your group that you think can potentially be there at the end, won't be there at the end. And you're talking to a guy who did zero World Cup qualifying minutes, zero World Cup qualifying you know, camp concentrations, and made it to the World Cup with two other guys who had the same issue. Yeah, I want to see Jordan Pifak, if not as a starter, soon off the bench. I mean, this is a guy who's red hot, and if you're going to throw me the brace that Josh Sargent scored for Norwich in the and League assist. Cup, and then I'm going, to say, I'm going to mention the Champions League qualifying goals that Pifak scored wow. that have his team in the group phase, wow. that have his team in the group phase. Those are huge goals. That's a guy who's red hot. And by the way, in the Nations League, when they both played in the semifinal, remember, it was Pifak's goal that got him into the final. True. It was Josh Sargent yeah. starting that game. And not scoring. All right, so the U.S. has three games then, Herc. Three games over the next seven days. Now, before we set the expectation for what we think a good week would be for the United States over the beginning of this World Cup qualification cycle, let's hear what the expectations are first from within the U.S. camp. I mean, obviously, it was definitely a, a tough time and a tough go last uh, World Cup qualifying. Um, but, I mean, as a group, I mean, we, we haven't really... Um, mentioned it i think right now we have a totally different um core of guys and and right now i mean we're just kind of just looking forward to the task at hand which is um the first game is el salvador and to you know start off the the tournament well i mean i don't think the the group now really sees it as a burden i think it's more so you know we're, we're not really trying to focus on what happened in the past i think right now we're just trying to create a legacy of our own there's no plan B for us. There's only been a plan A, and that's obviously to qualify for the World Cup. So, um, you know, when I when I think about the experiences that we've had now um, in the past, you know, two years, I would say as a group and how much we've developed, it's ultimately for this moment right here. Herc, El Salvador away, Canada at home, Honduras away. We heard talk there of a nine-point week. What would you for you, be a successful week for the U.S. here. Success would be five points or anything above five oh, points. Five points, one win out of three. Come on. I mean, why so low? You're, one of the best things I've ever heard about qualifying process in Concacaf is you secure points at home and you steal them away. That's the bare minimum for this group right now is the five points. If you can get six, two wins, great. Anything above mm -hmm. that. If you go nine, it's going to blow my mind, but that's going to set a dangerous precedent of how good this team could be in this qualifying process. But don't by any means cheat the people. Try to tell them that this qualifying process is any easier than it mm -hmm. really is. What's their record, the U.S. men's national team record, away yep. from home? Well, Here's well, that old school many, talk. Many, this is the talk of the past. This is the talk of the generations that didn't qualify. Now these guys think they can win every game. <laughs> you were there when they didn't qualify, not me. <laughs> you were on that field when they didn't qualify. Not me, Sebastian Salazar. 
Se Seba, don't lie to the people. Don't mm -hmm. sit here and wave the banner that CONCACAF is easy, that this is that. No, no, no. Tell them the truth. This is a crazy process. It's not going to be easy. It's unprecedented because you've never had three games in a FIFA fixture date. This won't be easy at all. If you can steal points on the road, mm -hmm. and if you can win at home, that's a key to going to the World You're talking about a country who just missed the World Cup, and now you're talking about going nine for nine. If they can do it, yep. that is yep. amazing. Do it, Teddy. No, for me, if it's going to be a success, you got to win two of the three. If you're talking about winning three of the three, to call it a success, you got to get at least six points, win two out of those three. So what I'm hearing from you is that you think this group is overconfident. No, I love the confidence. I just think they've never been in this situation. How many of these players have played in World Cup qualifying? Six, I believe. So then what do you think of Tyler Adams saying nine points is, is our goal? Love the confidence. Tyler Adams told me in an interview that you just said don't tell people how easy this region is. You don't tell people how easy this region is. You have an ob obligation and responsibility. These yeah. kids are optimistic. They are dreamers. Tyler Adams told me they want to win a World Cup and expect to compete for a World Cup in 2026. I love that confidence, Seb, but you aren't a player. You aren't mm -hmm. a kid. You have a responsibility to tell it how it is. And this is a very, very dangerous president. When you, as a reporter, when you as somebody in the media starts selling this, hey, we're going to walk through everybody in CONCACAF qualifying. Hey, supposed to be the best generation ever of U.S. players. I think we should see it in these uh, first three games. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh boy, the hits keep coming for El Tri. Raul Jimenez will not be with Mexico, not just for tonight's game, but for any of the three matches. Wolves choosing not to release the player because of the extended quarantine he'd face on return. So Raul Jimenez spot then goes to Santiago Jimenez, the 20-year-old striker for Cruz Azul. More bad news, Tecatito, who was a late arrival from Portugal. His participation for tonight in doubt. For more from Mexico City, including Tata Martino maybe being unavailable, here's Leon Necanda. Hi, Hercules, Evi, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys. I would start saying that there's a lot of pressure in the Mexico's team for winning tonight against Jamaica because of two main reasons. First of all, Mexico lost the two finals against the US in the official tournaments this summer. First, the Nations League and then the Gold Cup. And second, because there are some concerns on the ability of this group of players for really doing a good qualification process to Qatar 2022. Gerardo Martino will try to manage his team with several key absences as Raul Alonso Jimenez because he didn't receive the permission of his club Wolverhampton of the Premiership in England for traveling to Mexico because the pandemic concerns and then a bunch of players that are trying to recover from previous injuries and trying to get in shape as Irving El Chucky Lozano, Héctor Herrera, Héctor Moreno, Diego Laines, and Johan Vázquez. So we are talking about six players and we have to add to them Jesus Manuel Corona because Tecatito isn't included in the 23 players squad list for tonight's match because he really just did one training session so he will be available against Costa Rica and Panama the next two matches for Mexico. So the starting lineup for Tata Martino is with Guillermo Ochoa as the goalkeeper, the defensive line 
Witt, Jorge Sánchez, Jesús Gallardo, César Montes, Néstor Araujo, The Midfielders are Edson Álvarez, Luis Romo and Sebastián Córdoba. And the forwards will be uh, Rogelio Funes Mori, Alexis Vega and Roberto El Piojo Alvarado. Uh, Tata Martino is dealing with a health problem in his eyes, so he will be managing his team tonight in the Azteca Stadium, but probably won't travel to Central America. Thank you so much, and back to you guys. Herc, a lot to unpack there. Let's start with Tata Martino, who will be available tonight, but apparently not for the second two games of these three World Cup qualifiers. And then the bad news just trickles in player after player after player. No Raul Jimenez, no Chucky Lozano. Now we know no Tecatito for this game. On top of no Diego Lainez, no Hector Herrera. Do I need to keep going? Uh, what's the bigger loss here, though? All those players or not having your coach potentially for two of the first three games? No, all, all those players because they're big-time impact players. And one could mm -hmm. argue that maybe not having Tata Martino around wouldn't be the worst thing at all. Think about Come the on. CONCACAF what Nations are you League. They're better off without him? No, but think about the CONCACAF Nations League. We spoke about this. Under pressure, Tata Martino has been kind of losing his grip with his national team. Uh, all of a sudden, ruffles with all these players. CONCACAF You'd Nations rather League have final. him there than not. You'd well, rather have him there the than not. At the expense of not having Raul Jimenez, Chucky Lozano, uh, HH, Diego Lainez, as the question was posed to me? No. No, I'd rather have all those players than Tata Martino. I don't know, would you have Tata Martino over those players? Uh, right now, I just think the energy around this team is so bad. I think you gotta have some leadership. When you have all those players missing, I think Tata's potential absence looms much larger. Who's who's the accountable one here, yeah. Herc? Who's who's the responsible one here? You don't you don't have veterans. You don't have a coach. Uh, this team is in total disarray at the worst time possible. And I would think that the most expensive manager in the history of the Mexican national team could help that. Can I ask you a question? What's the common mm -hmm. denominator for all those problems with these players? You're going to say Tata. It's I Tata think Martino. Of course it is. So maybe it's a good thing for him to step away for a second. I'll tell you what. I think Tata Martino is a very that good coach. That doesn't bring those players back. That's true. I think Tata Martino is a very good, good coach, Seb, and I know you do as well. But you can't tell me his style hasn't worn thin with these players. It's one after the other since his term started. All right, so let's get into uh, what Tata Martino then might use as a starting 11. We just heard it there from Leon Lecanda. We've seen reports across the internet um, as well. So here then is a probable 11 for Mexico for just a few hours from now against Jamaica. I guess obviously the, the big choices here, who replaces Chucky, who replaces Tecatito. There you see the choices. Uh, Piojo Alvarado of Cruz Azul, Alexis Vega of uh, Chivas. Your midfield there looks pretty strong. Edson, Luis Romo, Sebastián Córdoba. And then some big decisions along the back line. Perhaps the most interesting Cesar Montes pairing in there with Nestor Araujo, Jorge Sanchez getting the start at right back. What is that? Seven Olympians. Seven so. Olympians. I guess that tells us that maybe Mexico's Gold Cup team was really the C squad. <laughs> could be. Could be. Uh, I don't know how confident you would be as a Mexico fan of having mm -hmm. Montes there slotted already in a very I know you don't rate him. I know you don't rate him. No, I just think he's a liability and he showed in the Olympics <laughs> two penalty kicks called against him. He just decision making is is definitely suspect. Uh, but I was definitely surprised at a few things. Uh, Piojo Alvarado wasn't even a starter for the Olympic team. Now he's no. getting the nod over a player like Uriel Antuna who when he puts on that Mexican national team jersey, is transformed. You can say whatever you want about him at Chivas, but Antuna plays well, and Alvarado, 
hasn't really been a starter at Cruz Azul, wasn't a starter with the Olympic uh, men's national team for Mexico. He's a player that probably his best moment was about a year and a half ago, and since then has been sort of on the decline. A very good prospect, but not really the guy I would have pegged to start this game. Yeah, if you look at Alvarado, you, you don't certainly say right now he's playing it away that would earn this. I think you would say totally the opposite about a guy like Alexis Vega, who really, truly used the Olympics uh, as, as a huge platform. I think it'll lead to him in terms of club, but here at the international level, I think if he does get this start, you look back at Tokyo and you say that's why. Absolutely, that's why. Johan Vasquez was sold because of what he did at the Olympics. Alexis Vega is the guy that everybody wants to be sold. He's the it guy right now because of his play. It started at the pre-Olympic qualifying in Guadalajara, and he translated that. He kept that going, that momentum going into Tokyo. He was the player that started everything, the player that finished everything. He was the 10. He acted like the 10. When players like Diego Lainez, Memo Ochoa, Luis Romo, um, and players like that, Henry Martin, were in the squad, all the attention was on Alexis Vega. He seemed to be the player who pulled the strings, that made things happen. He's got that kind of game about him, but it was at a U23 level. Now let's see him at the senior level. Let's see what he can yep. do. Let's see if he can really make a name for himself, like his coach, Jaime Lozano, once did in a World Cup qualifying campaign. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's a huge opportunity. Let's see what he can do at the senior national team level. Because at the senior national team level, Herc, it's a really rare opportunity for Alexis Vega. He's had one senior appearance over the last two years. I mean, basically, he's been a youth national team player since 2019. Another player that I think stars at the Olympics, earns a moment here, is Sebastián Córdoba. And this is a player we saw dominate at the Olympics, starting to dominate at Liga Mekis, and now is that moment, that next step, an opportunity to dominate at the CONCACAF level of international play. Yeah, this is a guy for me who should have left a while ago, a year ago, uh, and needs to leave now. He's a very, very good player, but like you said, he needs to show it at the senior level. He does that, the rest will follow. Yep, and I think he's been doing it of late for Club América. We've seen it. Uh, we saw it at the Tokyo Olympics uh, as well. Huge moment for him in midfield. He's going to be one of the guys that has to try to create a spark for that line of three up front. All right, let's get to the other side of this matchup at Azteca. Jamaica, who, by the way, is in some real serious trouble, perhaps more than any other team in CONCACAF. They've been done in by these COVID travel restrictions, specifically the ones for uh, Premier League and Championship teams. They're missing 11 players in total, uh, 12 players in total. But one note, Mikel Antonio of West Ham, there has been a negotiation there. Apparently, he'll play the home game against Panama. He'll miss the away matches against Mexico uh, and Costa Rica. Now, this came up in a recent interview with Andre Blake and our friend Tonio Valle down at ESPN and Mexico. Here's what the Philadelphia Union goalie had to say about Jamaica's situation. No, I don't think it's fair for Jamaica at all. Definitely not. You know, I think I'm not sure about anybody else, but for sure we, we would suffer a lot for this, you know, but um, there's certain rules in place that are bigger than me, you know, and there's not much I can do even if I sit here and talk, you know, but it's definitely going to affect us in a big way. And if we don't get to, to get all those players at our disposal, then, you know, it's going to be a tough task. But again, you know, um, we can't just think about the problem. We have to start thinking solution and, and just in case we're still going to have to show up we're still going to have to find a team and we're still going to have to find a way, even with all the adversities, to try and get a result. So, yeah. 
CONCACAF qualifying missing a little bit of everything. Herc, not just the stars, but VAR as well. What do you make of Andre Blake's comments here? <laughs> no VAR, crazy. Uh, I agree with them. The, the most telling part is we're still going to have to show up. We're still going to have to field a team. Let's see what we can get a team. This is crazy. And he says it perfectly. It's, it's rules. It's stuff going on that's bigger than him, probably bigger than the sport. But you know who's caught up in the middle of all this? The players. The yeah. players are caught up in the middle of this. We're going to see it with Raul Jimenez and the Wolverhampton and Mexico situation, Chucky Lozano and deciding not to come, all these different things. It's the players. 11 players missing, that's a lineup, Seb. How do you compete versus an already overwhelming favorite like Mexico in El Estadio Azteca? How do you even the playing field when you can't field 11 of your best players? What must be frustrating from a Jamaica perspective or, or any country that's involved here is that there are exceptions being made. We mentioned Mikel Antonio, the player um, for West Ham, but look at the cases of Aston Villa. I mean, yeah. they spent, sent what, four, Spurs, they each sent two players to Conmebol qualifiers for Argentina. So you figure if some teams can work out a negotiation with some federations, uh, why can't everybody? This being reported by Sky Sports, by the way, not just Mexico, Chile, Paraguay as well, are asking FIFA to punish the Premier League clubs that are choosing to hold these players back. And actually, this report just in, FIFA has already contacted at least four clubs in England, Wolves among, among them. So we may see a ban for players like Raul Jimenez who are kept behind. I mean, I don't think we've seen the end of this in terms of the war between club and international level, specifically in the CONCACAF region. I'm sure we will get into this more in the coming weeks, but you're trying to tell me Mexico wants to punish Wolves and has FIFA to have Raul Jimenez not be able to play for Wolves? Like, see what I'm talking about? The players being stuck in the middle of this? How is that yeah. productive yeah. for anybody? You, look, all I would say real quick is you have to protect the international breaks. You really do. And, and, and the logic being used by these teams in England is, well, when they come back to us because of our rules in our country, then we're going to have to wait an extra 10 days. Those are your rules in your country. You feel me, Herc? It shouldn't roll downhill and affect the CONCACAF nations. That's a problem for these Premier League clubs to deal with. I don't think it's a problem for, for the countries in CONCACAF to deal with on a piece-by-piece -piece basis. Uh, I just think it's, it's kind of grossly unfair. Uh, another element here that we have to discuss about this Jamaican team is perhaps some trash talk. Uh, Kamar Lawrence, of course, MLS fans will know him very, very well from his time in New York Red Bulls, now with Toronto FC. He had some comments here about who the real top dog is in all of CONCACAF as we open up the end of this qualifying cycle. I feel like it feels like it's U.S. right now. They've been winning, they've been winning everything for the last year. So uh, they're the team. They're the team to beat right now. You know, they have a bunch of young stars too that. You know, everybody's saying, you know, they're the team. So you 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 just have to look at it from, you know, the right perspective and understand that, you know, Mexico is coming at them. We're coming at them. You know, now everybody wants to beat them. You know, normally it's everybody wants to beat Mexico. But now if I feel like with the star, the star struck system around the U.S. team right now, I feel like, you know, everybody wants wants to beat them. Everybody wants to play them. Everybody wants them to come to their country so they can play them. So I feel like they're they're probably on top now as a team to beat right now. And I know Mexico can't wait to play them. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a game I, I got to be locked in watching. I hope we don't have game at the same time because I want to see this game. <laughs> 
Herc, what do you make of what Kamar Lawrence has to say there? Is the U.S. men's national team really the team to beat as we start World Cup qualifiers? No, it's still it's still Mexico. Uh, but I like what he's, where he's going there. He's taking a jab at Mexico while at the same time acknowledging, mm-hmm. like, hey, look at all these shiny pieces, all these shiny stars, these young players playing at big clubs. We want to bring them to our cities, to our towns, to our countries, and we want to beat them. We want to show them we're just as good. You've got... Definitely a target on your back if you're the U.S. men's national team because of the stars you're exporting. But as far as being a team, as far as actually playing in this World Cup qualifying campaign and dominating the way Mexico has in years past, historically it's still Mexico. But he's taking a dig there at Mexico like, hey, they already beat you twice in this summer. You know, these guys, because of what they've done, are the team to beat. But more importantly, I think he's mentioning of where these players are at. Yeah, is it bulletin board material for Mexico? Like, would you have said this in the lead-up to a game like this? No, absolutely not. It's definitely bulletin board material, and he's laughing the whole time he's saying it. I love that about Kamar Lawrence. He doesn't care. He's taking a jab at them. He knows exactly what he's doing. If you don't think this was at all week uh, on Football Picante, on Sports Center, look what the Jamaican player Kamal Lawrence is saying, that Mexico is no longer the team to beat. Mexico, you know, lost twice to the U.S. Look at all these shiny stars here for the U.S. If you don't think this was on the news cycle in Latin America, you're wrong. We've done this all week with Kamal Lawrence. All right, well, Herc, well, a few people have a better perspective on the U.S.-Mexico rivalry than Jorge Campos. And you got to speak to El Brody at the MLS Liga MX All-Star Game. Let's listen to what he had to say. Let's talk about Mexico. Let's talk about the U.S. men's national team this summer. They played each other twice, two finals, the CONCACAF Nations League final and the Gold Cup final. Tell me what you saw in those two finals in this rivalry between the two. That's a great for the coach to be in three finals, not two, three. So everybody coaching the world, they, they want to be in the in one final or two or three. The Tata Martino have uh, three finals, he won one, they lost two. Uh, it's difficult to know who's going to win now because MLS, uh, USA, MLS, now they have a good player, they have a good uh, style, it's totally different. It's difficult, it's hard to, to lose, especially with the United States, but it's, it's a football. When you look at World Cup qualifying and you look at Tata Martino, is Tata Martino under a lot of pressure right now? I don't think so. This is a very good coach. He has a lot of experience. He's a fantastic coach. So the most important now is qualifying. And after go to the World Cup, we have a three or four places to go. So Mexico, Mexico is gonna be there. I, I think I 100% sure. Like I, I can have a bet with everybody. Not two finals, Herc. Three finals. Three I finals. I, I guess we're counting. We're counting the All Star Game as a final <laughs> as well now. Be, well, between. Uh, I guess so. You counted it as evidence for Matt Turner starting. So mm-hmm. why can't mm-hmm. Brody use it as well? But uh, by there the way, go. big ups to him uh, doing it in English, not his native language. He's a legend. Uh, what do you think of what he said? Uh, it sounds like he's giving the edge to the U.S. as well. I. I mean, it sounds like everybody is today, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Can't argue it. You can't argue it. Certainly not coming off the Gold Cup, where the C team beat the A team, as one uh, Hercules Gomez (laughs) said on this very program. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. 
Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. More news from the women's game. Toman Heath reportedly set to join Arsenal on a two-year deal. Most recently, of course, she was with Manchester United. Racing Louisville FC in the NWSL, they've got her rights, took her rights in the expansion draft. Wonder where that leaves them. The 33-year-old Herc set to join an Arsenal team on the rise. She's apparently a big fan of the club, at least I'm saying that based off her social media uh, in the past, but they're adding some stars. Nikita Paris of the English team, Mana Iwabuchi of Japan, Tobin Heath just another as Arsenal uh, tries to join the elite in women's football in England. You can do that. You can go from Manchester to Arsenal, no problem. And where's Louisville in this, Seb? I thought they had her rights. What do they get for this? Nothing. As of now, nothing. (laughs) All righty. Good business. That's how it goes. That's how it goes for Tobin Heath. Uh, Elsewhere in the NWSL, the league is going to fine Angel City FC here, Herc, your favorite team, for announcing Kristen Press signing last week before the contract was actually completed. Uh, You got a problem with this? Uh, no, and you're talking to a soon-to-be season ticket holder for Angel mm-hmm. City FC, so some respect to my name. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. The, the contract wasn't signed, and they are announcing oh, this? Oh, the stickler. The stickler for the rules. Look at this. Well, why should they be held to a different set of rules? Why can't they all be held to the same standard? I, I don't understand. We see this all the time in, in MMA world where they announce fights before it happen and then somebody pulls out something happens and you look like an idiot. You look like it's, it's mm. I don't know the legalities of, of what they came to in terms of it being announced with sponsorships, et cetera, et cetera. But why should it be any different for Angel City? Bro, it was an amazing rollout. You're in Los Angeles, right? You saw it all over the Nike store. I mean, it got awesome. a ton of publicity. Great. So it's a, a little bit weird for me to see the NWSL finding Angel City FC for creating a ton of publicity and buzz about the league. About I mean, a player that wasn't theirs yet. Look, Angel City FC has shown where their ambition is. I hope the NWSL's ambition is at the same level because right now it looks like one team uh, is kind of dragging the league along. All I'm saying is it looks a little bit petty uh, from the league to slap the wrists of your Angel City FC. All right, some NWSL history then to add on top of that. Ashlyn Harris, now your all-time leader, Herc, in NWSL saves. She accomplished it last week with her 469th career save. And Herc, it came against none other than Carly Lloyd. Ho <laughs> Ashlyn Harris. I know she got cut for the Olympics. I know that it was hard. Not a tough summer, though, if you think about it. Her daughter Sloan was born. Got to enjoy that in the summer, and now this historic Ashlyn Harris, uh, 36 years old, still going at it, still being great. Yes, an icon of the women's game, an icon of the NWSL, a deserved place in the history books. More NWSL. Spirit North Carolina Courage played over the weekend. They tied 0-0. But the real story here is the protest by Spirit fans, led by a couple of their supporter groups calling for owner Steve Baldwin to sell the team. This amid recent allegations of verbal abuse of players by former head coach Richie Burke. Now, it's not all the time that we see this here in the United States, and it's definitely not all the time, Herc, that we hear it here in the U.S. This is what the Spirit fans sounded like at Audi Field. Sell the team! Sell the team! Sell the team! Sell the team! 
We hear a sell the team chance all the time over in Europe. I feel like we don't hear it that much on this side of the ocean. I personally, I love this. Put all the pressure you want, fans, on your ownership groups. So the fans put pressure on the ownership group because mm. of the treatment of the players, of how the players were treated. And there's a sign that reads sells the team, Steve. And Steve, the owner, is triggered. So he demands that that sign be taken out or the fans be ejected from the stadium and he doesn't expect the fans to be upset. He doesn't expect the fans to demand fair treatment of their players. It's just an insecurity to me. I, I don't understand this. Good on them for demanding better ownership. Yeah. Uh, one thing for sure. The more you try to stop fans from getting a message out, the louder that that message will be received. For sure. All right. Uh, one more note here. We've got European qualifiers coming up this week. Of course, not just CONCACAF in its World Cup qualifying cycle. In fact, Tuesday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, we got France and Finland also streaming live on the ESPN app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the eve of his move from Santos Laguna in Liga MX to Newcastle in the Premier League, Santiago Muñoz joins us here on Football América. Santiago, bienvenido. Hola, hola. Igualmente, mucho gusto aquí poder estar con ustedes y, y platicar un poco de lo que está pasando. Okay, so for fans of, of maybe Hollywood, you may recognize Santiago's name and you may recognize his destination. You should. There was a movie about it way back in 2005 called Goal. Actually, a trilogy. Um, of movies, to be fair. Before we get to the Hollywood script, though, let's talk about the actual story with Santiago. And Herc will help us with the, the questions in Spanish. Uh, Herc, I just want to start kind of with the beginning of Santiago's career in El Paso, you know, growing up uh, Mexican-American and kind of what his soccer, youth soccer experience was like. Who was he playing with? Who was he growing up watching? And who was coaching him? Eh, Santiago, si nos puedes eh, contar un poco de tu infancia jugando fútbol en el área del Paso, donde hay muchos eh, México estadounidenses, eh, un área muy rica de fútbol. ¿Qué eran tus experiencias? Eh, ¿Dónde jugabas? ¿Quién era tu técnico? ¿Qué tipo de jugador tal vez jugabas a su lado que podemos reconocer nosotros? Pues contar un poco de eso. Sí, mira, ahora sí que, que bueno, aquí pues es muy común, ¿no? Porque, porque es frontera aquí en Juárez y en el Paso. Entonces, a mí de hecho me tocó estudiar hasta un par de, de años ahí en el Paso. Y, y bueno, ahora sí que yo jugaba en, en filiales, en academias, aquí en El Paso. Y entonces de ahí fue todo el, el movimiento de que yo llevo al Sueño Alianza en el 2017. Entonces, después de, de esas visorías, que ahora sí que fue lo que me sacó, fue lo que me ayudó para, para cumplir mis, mis sueños. Entonces, después de eso, eh, me toca participar en, en, en las visorías y, y fue como, como llego a Santos, digo, yo llegué a Santos hace tres años y medio, entonces la verdad las cosas se, se me han dado muy rápido, pero, pero bueno, he estado listo para, para afrontar cada, cada sueño. So interesting stuff there. He started in uh, El Paso, uh, just playing for a couple of years, went to school there. 
He's in academy and kind of youth soccer teams there in the El Paso area. And really, it's the it's the Alianza Showcase in 2017 where he gets kind of that that first opportunity, helps him break his dream. And he's been at Santos then for the, uh, the three and a half years since. I think a, a good way to know kind of what player Santiago might want to be is like, who were you watching when you were a kid? So who was your favorite team and who were your favorite players growing up? A ver, Santi, ¿quién era tu jugador favorito? ¿Quién era tus equipos preferidos? ¿Quién, era, quién eran esas estrellas que, que tú como joven eh, emulabas? Pues bueno, ahora sí que del mundo definitivamente lo que es Messi es, es mi, para mí el mejor jugador. Eh, yo siempre le, le he leído en Europa al, al Barcelona y, y bueno, de México hay muchos, la verdad es que ahorita los que están actual, los que son del de lo actual, lo que es Raúl Jiménez, que, que bueno, lo está rompiendo allá en, en la Premier League. Y, y bueno, ahora sí que ahorita con lo que estoy viviendo, para mí es un gran ejemplo. Y, y bueno, estaría bien igual, eh, claro, seguir pasos que, que ha vivido él. Couple players there, of course, Messi in Barcelona, everybody's favorite. And Raúl Jiménez, who we know could be a great example for what's coming for him with the move to the Premier League. Uh, and Newcastle. What about a name that we've been talking a lot about lately here, Herc, uh, Ricardo Pepe? I think they were born like six months apart in El Paso. Surely they must have crossed paths somewhere. Seguramente conoces a Ricardo Pepe. Tienen como seis meses de diferencia. Vienen en la misma región, El Paso. Cuéntame un poco de las experiencias con Ricardo eh, en tu juventud en El Paso. Sí, claro que, que lo conozco de, desde, digo, no sé, desde un, unos años eh, me tocó jugar con él aquí en una de, de las filiales que era de Lefsi Dallas, entonces me tocó, me tocó estar con él un buen tiempo y, y la verdad siempre tuve muy, muy buena amistad, muy buena relación con él, igual ahorita que, que, está, que le está yendo muy bien, me da mucho gusto a mí, ahora sí que me, me da mucha, mucha alegría por él, pues más que nada porque nos conocimos, porque estuvimos juntos un tiempo acá en El Paso, Entonces, pues, es un orgullo también para, para mí, para toda la gente de aquí, que, que salgan jugadores así. So, they spent together time not just in El Paso, but FC Dallas um, as well. And he's very happy for the success of his friend. Really a point of pride for the, the community there in El Paso. So, uh, I'm curious next about kind of the jump to the national teams, the youth national team picture um, for Mexico. And it sounds like for Santiago, a lot of that had to do with Alianza. But how does that that jump come from being like a good player in El Paso to now all of a sudden I'm on the youth national team for Mexico. Bueno, Santiago, ¿cómo fue eso de, de juegas con Alianza, te ayudan a llegar a Santos y de repente das el salto a lo que es selecciones juveniles? ¿Qué, qué fue tu experiencia dando ese salto de calidad a las eh, selecciones juveniles? Bueno, eh, conforme eso fue, la verdad, yo digo yo toda mi vida y junto con mi familia he vivido acá en en México, en Juárez, aquí tienen su casa, entonces eh, después de ahí que, que llevo en, en este proceso de alianza que, que me dan la oportunidad de, de cumplir mi sueño de, de jugar en un club mexicano, lo que era Club Santos Laguna, y, y bueno, ahora sí que de ahí a los cuatro meses me llegó la primera convocatoria de, de la selección mexicana, y, y bueno, estoy muy agradecido por eso, y, y la verdad estoy muy contento con el trato que me han dado ahí y bueno, la comunicación que hemos tenido en, en cada momento. Entonces estoy muy contento ahí. Fue algo que, te digo, inesperado, te digo, muy rápido, la verdad, como me han llegado las cosas. Pero, pero bueno, así te vuelvo a repetir, eh, me he sentido listo para, para cada cosa que me ha llegado. 
So from Alianza, the jump to Santos, sounds like it wasn't much time before he get the attention of the Mexican youth national teams. Took about four and a half months. Uh, he says the treatment, the communication from the Mexican youth national teams has been, has been very good. Something maybe he didn't expect um, an opportunity like this so soon, but that he's, he's ready, it sounds like, for, uh, for anything. Um, obviously, when you're born in El Paso, you have the opportunity to play for the United States. Uh, I'm wondering, has there Herc, been any contact from the U.S. when they see a player doing so well for Mexico's youth national teams? Obviamente cuando naces en El Paso tienes la oportunidad de representar la selección de Estados Unidos y obviamente cuando juegas en un club como Santos y de repente la selección mexicana puede haber ese interés. ¿De repente hubo contacto, comunicación o interés de la selección de Estados Unidos? Sí, 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 sí hubo, hubo contacto, hubo, hubo contacto y, y platiqué con ellos. Entonces la verdad es que te digo, primero me, me llegó la, la convocatoria de México, entonces obviamente yo asistí. Y bueno, el trato que me han dado, te lo vuelvo a repetir, es muy bueno. Entonces ya más adelante eh, tuve pláticas yo con, con la selección de Estados Unidos. Igual los escuché, y igual muy, muy amables conmigo. Me hablaron muy sinceros, la verdad, de, de las cosas a lo mejor que, que me darían a mí o que me estarían poniendo en la selección de Estados Unidos. Pero bueno, yo platiqué con ellos. Igual eh, les dije que, que lo iba a ver, que, que lo iba a platicar, que lo iba a pensar. Entonces también obviamente ahorita con, con todas estas cosas y todo, pero, pero fui muy claro con él, la verdad, y, y, y bueno, le dije que, que ahorita estaba muy a gusto en, en México. Claro que yo no sé qué, qué puede pasar en un futuro, pero, pero bueno, ahorita sí estoy muy a gusto aquí en México. So he says, yes, absolutely, there has been contact. He's talked to, to folks from the U.S. side. First, though, it was Mexico that he heard from, and then the U.S. got in. He said they were very good to him, some very sincere conversations about them. The message back to the U.S. was that he would think about it. The future, obviously, um, uncertain, but that for right now, uh, he's still very happy with the, with the Mexican national team setup. Let's talk about the time at Santos, then. Um, let's start at the very beginning, or one of the very beginnings. Um, I'm an Americanista, so it hurt me when you scored your first goal. It came against America. That must have been a special moment. Dice Xavi que le duele mucho porque es americanista, pero en tu segundo partido anotaste tu primer gol. Seguramente para ti fue un momento especial. ¿Nos puedes platicar un poco de eso? Sí, la verdad sí que, que fue todo un sueño lo que, lo que he estado viviendo este tiempo en, en la Laguna, en Club Santos. Entonces sí, ese fue mi, mi segundo partido. Y, y bueno, cuando, cuando hago el gol, yo sé que digo América es, es un, un equipo muy grande acá en México. Entonces, entonces para mí fue algo muy significativo. Y, y ahora sí que ahí fue el, el comienzo de, de mis minutos, de mis partidos jugados, de mis anotaciones, de todo eso, entonces obviamente estoy muy agradecido ahí con, con lo que ha sido el, el profe y todo el cuerpo técnico conmigo, ahí en Club Santos que me dieron la oportunidad y, y bueno, ahora sí que me llevo toda esa experiencia en, en el corazón, que, que fue algo muy bonito. Talking about his uh, start at Santos, he says very much uh, most of his time at Santos has really been a dream, it was his second game, he gets the goal against América, which he acknowledges is a very big team, thank you for that, thank you for that, that's why it meant a lot. Um, and that's really, he said, the start for him, the start of the goals, the start of the minutes, and very thankful for all the, all the opportunities that he received there um, at Santos. So, so let's talk about this move and, and the opportunity then now uh, at Newcastle. What are, Santiago, your expectations uh, for life in the Premier League and the opportunities you might get early on here with Newcastle? Okay, hay que hablar de este movimiento al equipo de Newcastle en la Premier League. Expectativas, esperanzas, ¿qué, qué esperas de tu tiempo eh, con el equipo de Newcastle? 
Sí, es, es un movimiento, es un, te vuelvo a repetir, un sueño. Mi, mi mayor sueño que yo tenía de, desde pequeño es, es jugar en Europa. Digo, ahora sí que llego a una de las mejores, si no es que la mejor liga de, de Europa. Entonces, estoy muy contento. Espero, ahora sí que espero con ansias el momento de, de ya, ya estar allá, de ya estar en, en ese periodo de adaptación. Pero, pero bueno, yo voy con todas las ganas, voy con todo con toda la ilusión, la verdad es que voy, voy muy motivado y, y bueno, ahora sí que quiero dejar muy en alto lo que es lo que soy yo, lo que es mi familia, lo que es la laguna en, en Torreón y, y pues más que nada todo México, quiero, quiero dejar muy en alto todo, todo mi nombre y, y saber que, que se puede lograr grandes cosas. It says it's a, uh, it's a dream to move to Newcastle. It's really his biggest dream since he was a kid is to be in Europe. Uh, and here he is finding himself now in one of the biggest leagues. He's very happy. I heard a little anxiety in there, anxious to get started. Uh, he has ganas, which we all know, you know, translates to desire and, you know, wants to put uh, en alto, put on high, not just his family, um, Torreón, Santos Laguna, all the, all the people that helped him there, uh, but also Mexico um, as a whole. Herc, let's see um, if he knows his, if he knows his kind of um, historical date. Because if Santiago manages a debut, I think before November, he would be the youngest Mexican ever to play in the Premier League, younger than Chicharito, younger than Gio Dos Santos. Um, is that something that he has in his mind? Does he know that stat? And is he thinking about November as a potential? A ver, Santiago, hay una estadística de que puedes convertirte en el jugador más joven mexicano en jugar en la Premier League si juegas antes de noviembre. Si uno has pensado o sabes de esta estadística, eh, esta fecha histórica, te puedes, puedes jugar y ser el primer jugador mexicano en la Premier League antes que Chicharito, Giovanni Dos Santos y otros jugadores de gran renombre que han jugado en la Premier League. Sí, 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 claro que, que lo sabía. Es un orgullo para mí, el, el a esta edad, poder llegar a, a una liga como esa. Es un orgullo. Eh, y bueno, ahora sí que obviamente también me da mucho gusto por pues por México, ¿no? Saber que, que puedo lograr un, un récord, como lo dices. Entonces digo que ahora sí que yo no tengo presión, ahora sí que yo llegando allá voy a dar lo mejor de mí y, y voy a estar lo más pronto posible listo para, para cuando me necesiten estar preparado. So he's got a, uh, a lot of pride in reaching the Premier League at, at this young age uh, and pride in, in, in for being Mexico as well. Um, just a chance at another record and, and being able to set that. He does acknowledge no pressure, which I think is interesting. Just going to give his best and be ready whenever Newcastle needs him. Let's get to the uh, fun stuff here. La película. Goal. Um, did he, how many times have you watched it, Santiago? How many times have you seen Goal? Seguramente has visto la película Goal. ¿Cuántas veces has visto esta película? No, hombre, yo creo de chiquito me acuerdo la ponía todo el día, la ponía aquí con mi hermano que, que somos futbolistas los dos, entonces era algo, definitivamente es para mí la mejor película que, que está para los jóvenes, con la inspiración, lo emotivo que, que te da esa película y pues más que nada el que nunca dejes de luchar por tus sueños, entonces pues yo creo que la he visto unas, no sé, unas... Yo creo que más de 30 fácil. <laughs> <laughs> so he says easily, easily he's watched it uh, over 30 times. He said when he was a kid he would watch it all day with his brother who is also um, a footballer. And it's really kind of a best motivation for kids. It's that inspiration for kids to keep fighting for your dreams um, and it'll come true. I, I know it's kind of a cheesy question, but I wonder for him, like 
seeing somebody named Santiago Munoz, who is a Mexican-American, doing it at Newcastle. Obviously, we didn't know Newcastle would come along in the year 2021, Herc. But did the movie inspire him? Bueno, la pregunta ahora de Sebi es que si la, si la película Gol te dio esa inspiración, obviamente Santiago, Santiago Muñoz, pero el otro es Muñez, eh, México estadounidense, la oportunidad de jugar en la Premier League y llegar a lograr sus sueños, ¿una película así realmente se inspiró? Sí, sí, la verdad sí. Pues desde pequeño me identifiqué mucho por, digo, por el México americano, por, sí, desde chiquillo te digo que, que mis sueños fue en Europa, entonces... La verdad es que sí me inspiró desde pequeño y, y bueno, ahora sí que todo se me ha dado. Ahora sí que yo quiero hacer mi, mi propia historia, como lo he dicho. Quiero, quiero lograr grandes cosas, quiero ir por todo. Entonces, pero claro que, que me inspiró y, y ahora sí que pues, pues todo se dio exactamente, ¿verdad? Pero, pero pues sí, muy, muy feliz por eso y, y muy emocionado. Yeah, he says it definitely inspired him. He identified with, you know, the player being Mexican-American, the dream of being uh, in Europe. It really did inspire him, though. Now he's looking to, uh, to write his own story. All right, Herc, you got anything else for our guest today? Yes, I do. Uh, I'd actually love to ask him about uh, being a dual nat, if that decision is uh, at all, was it at all difficult? Te quiero preguntar, porque vemos muchos jugadores como Efraín Juárez, David Ochoa, eh, que de repente pues, tienen decisiones, decisiones difíciles. Y como David Ochoa explicó, una decisión bastante difícil, donde tomó mucho tiempo en pensarla. Para ti, esta decisión de representar a México fue difícil. ¿Es algo que aún tienes dudas o aún no estás seguro? Eh, pues sí, ahora sí que ahorita sí te, te corregiría. No es, eh, no es que yo ya estoy casado con México. No, no, la verdad no. Eh, te digo, estoy muy a gusto, la verdad, desde el trato y todo lo que... Lo que me han hecho todos los... Pues ahora sí que todo lo que he pasado en selección, estoy muy a gusto. Pero, y, y claro que sí, ha sido también difícil para mí. Pero, pero sí, te digo, eh, yo no sé qué, qué pueda pasar en un futuro. En verdad, yo no sé qué pueda pasar. A mí me da gusto el, el hecho de, de poder ser considerado por, por las dos selecciones. Me da mucho gusto, me llena mucho orgullo, la verdad. Pero, pero sí, te digo, no sé qué podría pasar en un futuro. Eso sí que se lo dejaré en manos de Dios, pero, pero bueno, yo ahorita en el momento eh, estoy aquí, estoy a gusto, entonces ya veremos más adelante. Santiago tells us there, yeah, he's not married to Mexico. He's very happy with the treatment that he's gotten at the youth national team level uh, with Mexico. He likes the idea and is proud of the fact that he can be uh, considered for both countries, but certainly doesn't close any doors, doesn't know what will happen uh, in the future. Santiago, gracias por el tiempo. Thanks for the time here on Football Americas, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again soon. Claro gracias, sí, Santiago. Gracias. Eh. Un gusto aquí. Un gusto platicar con ustedes. Gracias. Well, Herc, every graphic tells a story. This one tells the difference in exportation between Liga Mekis and Major League Soccer in the most recent transfer window. What's the biggest impact of this? Is it in the national teams? Is it in league play? Where do we see it? League play. It's the leagues. It's the teams that don't want to negotiate. If you're talking about Liga Mekis, they want to participate in the global market. They create their own internal market, overvalue their product. That's why you see Pizarro and Monterrey asking for 20 millions for a 20 million, excuse me, for a 25, 26 year old mm -hmm. player. And these La Liga teams going, there's no chance I'm paying that. And then you see on the other side, Major League Soccer players with a handful of games, maybe 15, 20 games for top flight. And they're already being let go and they're going off and doing their European adventures. It's the opportunity for these players. 
MLS definitely moved more product during this window, but it's not as big a difference as it was in the past, or as you might think. Seven versus four tells me that maybe there's the beginning of a change in Mexico. One, I think that pressure has to do with seeing all these U.S. players um, in Europe. The other thing just has to be the economic reality. Liga Mekis teams have been crushed by this pandemic. I wonder if soon those European dollars won't be just that that little bit more tantalizing. Speaking of uh, the transfer window, it did close Wednesday. Let's take a look at some of the more notable CONCACAF transfers. Of course, uh, Leon Bailey made the big move from Bayer Leverkusen to Aston Villa after coming her on this show. So we know that, uh, again, more proof of the Football Americas bump. All right, let's put our money where our mouth is. Her time to book it. And of course, we know of the eight teams in El Octagonal, only three will get guaranteed tickets to the World mm -hmm. Cup in Qatar. One team will get that, that half ticket or a spot in the Intercontinental Playoffs. So before the games start tonight, who you got finishing top four in CONCACAF's World Cup qualifying? I have Mexico, the United States, I have Canada, and Costa Rica. You got Mexico number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's some double bluff stuff. You're just saying, you're doing that. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. The strongest team right now in CONCACAF is which team in your eyes? I mean, coming off the summer, the I would say it's the United States. In based on right where now. their players are playing, I would say the United States. I couldn't hear you. Say it again. I said, based on where their players are playing, the United States. Hold on. My mic. Or I'm sorry, my, uh, say it again. No, no. <laughs> I don't buy it. So then why do you have Mexico? Why do you have Mexico first? Oh, don't come at me like why you have Mexico. <laughs> no, so this is my Sam. double bluff. This is my double bluff because I actually do. I don't want the U.S. in theory to finish first with my Mexico uh. fandom, my Mexico fan ways. Uh, but I, I mean, I just, I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't see um, they didn't the qualify for a, world, for a World Cup. The only six players actually played in Here. World Cup qualifying, and you want me to already pick them number one against Mexico, who's dominated the region over the years. I, I'm going with Mexico, but... Uh, can we at least acknowledge the other teams that we put in? I got yes. Jamaica, Canada. You got who? Canada, Costa Rica? Canada, Costa Rica. I don't think Costa Rica is as bad as people think, and they'll be very mm. strong at home. And Canada is going to make some noise. Let's go, Alfonso. Okay, very good. Very good. One more thing, then. Are you cool with it? This from the... Uh, Lower league level of American soccer. The Rochester Rhinos are rebranding as Rochester New York FC, Herc, under their uh, one of their new owners, Jamie Vardy. Thanks, Jamie. Are you cool with it? No, I'm not cool with it. This is one of the things <laughs> I hate the most. I feel like American soccer is so insecure. They're, uh -huh. they're, they're just thriving. They're, 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 they're so desperate, desperate. Desperation is the word to be accepted by being a global brand, European markets. Don't do FC United anymore. Don't do that stuff. Be original. The Rochester Rhinos were great. Global appeal. Global appeal. Be relevant in Rochester first. That's important oh. history. You're a race. Ouch.